right, News Talk 1110-993-WBT, the Pete Callender Show, hour number three. Here we are, News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110, and 1-800-WBT-1110 are the phone numbers. You can also email Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. Now, uh, the end of the last hour, I started talking a little bit about this Philip Klein piece at National Review where he dubs, uh, where he defines this uh, dividing line, this division inside uh, conservatism between sort of the, the principles folks, which are like timeless principles, you know, stay consistent, even if it means short-term losses. And then what he dubs the other side of that, which is the fight club conservatives or fight or uh, fight club Republicans who are, uh, they're tired of losing the short-term battles and losing the long-term war. And so now they're just saying, screw it. We're fighting and we're going to punch you back. And you may not like the tactics. We don't like them either. But we have to deal with these bullies on a level that they actually will respect. And and there is something to that, right? All right, let me jump over here to Jimmy. Hello, Jimmy. Welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, Pete. Hey, what's um, up? Uh, pretty good. Um, I do believe that, uh, well, Trump has kind of opened the door to these new, uh, as you call it, these fight club Republicans like uh like the Santos and Yemkin and, and soon to be the governor of North Carolina, Mark Robinson. You know, he, he seemed that they he seemed to have just opened the door to these these guys that want and, and, and ladies and, and wanna basically wanna fight. They're ready to fight. Instead of just laying down like the um um the, the Mitt Romneys of the world. Okay, yeah. And it, I mean, to me, I'm black, and this is just so refreshing. I, you know, it took my convergence over to, 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 to I would say, more more of a conservative deal, and it's because of guys like Trump. Mm-hmm. So you're okay. So let me ask you then: you're all right with abandoning principles in order to fight, with the hopes that if you win the fight, then you'll go back to the principles? Yeah. Okay. Because, I mean, they're they're throwing the woodshed at us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so how do you then guard against? So how how do you guard against? Well, let me ask you this way: How do you know when you've gone far enough that you've you can declare victory, and now you can go back to the principles? When 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 would that happen? Do you think? Like, how do you know when something like that? How do you know that you've won the fight, and so now you can be like, okay, well. We'll go back to the way it was before, and now I'll start adhering to those principles again. Maybe if, if, if the left would just, if they just back down, like the, the Santos by, you know, give them the name groomers, you know, they don't know how, how to deal with that. Mm-hmm. So they kind of, they, they really ease it off because they don't want to be known as a, a groomer. Mm-hmm. And so then you could throw in the principles then. Well, yeah, but it, the other side of that, though, is that if, the groomer tag, much like the way the left used the term racist uh, against the right for so many years, now the term really doesn't mean much anything at all anymore, right? So many people have been falsely accused of being a racist that it doesn't carry the same sort of uh, freight any longer. Um, do you risk doing that with the term groomer? Yeah, I hate to say it, but yeah, but... It's it's you really it's the chance you got to take. You I mean if you yeah like a boxer if you throw the right hand if you if you miss him you might get hit back. Yeah, 
No, it's true. Everybody, yeah, the other the other team gets an at bat. That is absolutely true. Uh, Jimmy, I appreciate the call, buddy. Thank you. Thanks. Yeah. All right. I, yeah, I I understand. And look, honestly, I like the idea of being the principles matter, and even you know to soldier on. I don't know, maybe because I was raised Catholic, and like there's this whole <laughs> martyr thing going on where you're like, oh, I will just keep soldiering on and keep doing this thing, and even if it ends with failure and I'm a tragic figure, so be it, you know? But on the other hand, I do like the idea of uh, reciprocating with how I am engaged because, honestly, that is what I do, for example, on Twitter. It's what I do on the radio. It's what I do in debates. If somebody wants to have a discussion, just like I did with Jimmy, right? Like, he makes uh, uh, an assertion, a claim, right? He offers up a thought. And then I offer a uh, contrasting thought. I ask, I ask a probing question to figure out, like, okay, well, what happens if this and why that? Right? You test these theories. You test these assertions because, as I always say, unchallenged ideas are easy to hold. And you don't actually know your own argument unless you know your opponent's argument, right? So that's what we do. So we test it out see where the weaknesses are, then you can kind of shore up defenses in your rhetorical uh, fortress. It's all part of the the information and entertainment here that we strive for every single day. Hope, well, hopefully at least one of the two. But I engage with people in social media with how they engage with me. If somebody calls in and starts yelling at me, yeah, you can expect to be treated like the jerk that you are when you're talking to me. Same thing on Twitter. If you're going to troll me, you don't deserve a policy discussion from me. I, I owe you nothing. You, First of all, I owe you nothing, no matter who you are, right? But if you come to me and you start trolling me on social media, well, I don't owe you any kind of a good faith, honest argument because that's not how you approached me. And And I will just start ridiculing you and mocking you. Absolutely. And those are tactics of the left. That's all Alinsky. Rules for radicals. Ridicule. Absolutely. It works. They really don't like it. That's one of the reasons they really don't like the groomer tag. See, they've been operating from a position knowing that people on the right tend not to want to engage in the manner in which the left has preferred. They get, they get cowed. People on the right are afraid of being called a racist. Well, at least they used to be, Right. Because then the left started calling everybody or punch a Nazi. Everyone's a Nazi. If you like Trump, you're a Nazi. They became caricatures of themselves. And the, the terms, the, uh, the charges, they, they lost their power. I do think the term groomer is, uh, I do think that lands very effectively. And I do think it actually describes a lot of the behaviors we're seeing. Does that mean Every single person that is teaching or uh, encounters this material, even if organically in a class that somehow or another they're grooming children for exploitation, no. But I will say that when you open these channels up, bad people take advantage of them too. Right? That happens. That absolutely happens. And all the people that look down their noses at the uh, MAGA nation Trump voters all you Democrats in Charlotte, all you never-Trumpers in Charlotte, you have your opportunity now. You have your opportunity to go to the polls 
and vote against Patrick Cannon. Right? If protecting the norms and the uh, the institutions are so important and you were so smart and perceptive that you weren't tricked by Donald Trump or any other huckster that came along, right? This is your moment to shine. You can prove that you are better. And we know that the left loves to show everybody that they're better than everyone else. So let's see if you guys can deliver come May 17th on the primary. We shall see. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. So, uh, North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper being mentioned as a potential 2024 presidential candidate. I'm not kidding. It's, <laughs> it's real. Uh, I'll tell you about that in a second. First, uh, do, 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 let me see. Mitch says, Pete, sorry I was late tuning into your show. That is unacceptable, Mitch. No, it's okay. Um, but I caught the tail end of your commentary on Disney. I can't help but wonder how the Disney shareholders feel about all of this fiasco that their executives have started in Florida. It certainly won't help the shareholders at the end of the day. In my opinion, their CEO should focus on making money and stay out of these political controversies. Great show, by the way. See, this is part of the problem. This started with the whole Disney thing. This started um, with the with, with the millennials. And and. Like I'm not blaming uh, I'm not blaming millennials. They did not seek this. They were they were taught this by boomers mainly, and they were told find businesses that have a social mission. And you remember when all of this stuff first started, right? All of a sudden, businesses were taking positions, and they had you know their their ethics policy, not policy, but positions and. They would start posting all of these things like, we care about the planet. We care about you. They all had to have these statements. And then they started, you know, telling millennials, this is what you need to look for. You need to do business with businesses that do good and that sort of stuff. So once you train a population and a generation, and now Gen Z comes along as well, what do you expect of them? So they're pressuring businesses to do things. And the businesses, afraid of angering potential customers, they cave to the loudest caucus. And now, guess what? You got another loud caucus. That's where we are. And maybe this kind of, I don't know, resets the course, right? Maybe you've, it was pulling to the left and now overcorrection to the right or correction to the right or whatever. Maybe you just drift a little bit more, right? Either way, Maybe this encourages some businesses to stop getting involved in in political issues. Because, honestly, it's much easier to just say, we're not going to take positions on political or cultural issues. That That's not what our mission is. Now, maybe your job, I don't know, maybe if you're making, like, recycled products or something, then maybe, you know, water filtration. Maybe you've got a, opinions and uh Positions on various environmental issues, for example. Fine, it's in the wheelhouse, I get that. But I, I, I don't understand this whole, well, let's, let's pressure Disney into uh, withholding campaign contributions against Republicans because they passed this piece of legislation that says we can't talk to your five-year-old child at school about sex that we have with our partners. 
right? I mean, because that's what that's what some of these teachers are doing, by the way. And they post these videos themselves on social media platforms like TikTok. And then you got that woman who comes along, sees the videos, makes an account called Libs of TikTok, and it literally is only reposting of the videos that liberals put up. And simply letting people see these videos has now prompted the hit pieces on her, the uh, the, the doxing of, of her, by the Washington Post. She's had her account suspended. Think about that. For simply holding up a mirror. Not even a mirror. Just simply taking your video and showing it to some other people. And everybody's freaking out on the left about this. How dare she do this? How dare she what? Show your video that you did, that you said, that you posted for others to see? Did you not want other people to see it? What is the point of the performance if you don't want anybody to see it? No, you're you're mad that people saw it and they did not react to it the way you expected them to react, right? If you're going to make people care, you have to account for the fact that some people are going to care in the other direction, right? They're, they're going to take the opposite position, and now they're really going to care. If you want a good example of this, um, the Virginia governor's race with Glenn Youngkin. Yeah, you made people care. You made them care real good. That's what that was. North Carolina Governor Roy Cooper is actually among the top 10 Democrats in the Washington Post's quarterly Democratic presidential candidate ranking for 2024. It was released a couple days ago. Cooper came in at sixth place. He's actually slid one spot. He was in fifth place the last time they did this. The paper calls him one leading contender you hear the least about. Well, you know Democrats, they love their blank slate candidates, see Obama, and they say he's a Biden-style candidate who checks lots of boxes. A Biden-style candidate. Andy Taylor is a professor of political science at NC State University. He said these are people who follow politics pretty closely. That might be some of Cooper's appeal. A vanilla candidate in a highly polarized political world. See, but that's the thing. Cooper, he he doesn't get, he does not get the kind of uh, probing and examination that uh, that he would get at a national level. I mean, obviously, he's a state governor, so it's a different level. But you actually have conservative media outlets that would be uh, that would be challenging him, and he's not used to that at all. He has spent. His entire 16 years as a attorney general and the last, what, six years now as governor, dodging conservative media outlets. So I'm not so sure that he can uh, pass this, uh, pass off his whole, you know, oh, shucks, I'm just an old country lawyer kind of stick. I don't think that works once you get to the, uh, the big time. But there's actually a more important takeaway from this news. I'll tell you what that is in a minute. <laughs> News Talk 1110-993-WBT, 704-570-1110 and 1-800-WBT-1110. Roy Cooper, 
among the top 10 Democrats named in the Washington Post quarterly Democratic presidential candidate ranking for 2024. He actually slipped one slot. He's now sixth. He was fifth. Um, this is there, there's a there's a bigger problem here. Why would he be on any list? Why would any Democrat be on any list? Joe Biden is running for re-election, people. Why are you even making lists about replacing him? Is there some reason Joe Biden would be replaced? What? Let me go over here to Tom. Hello, Tom. Welcome to the show. How are you? How are you doing, Mr. Calendar? How are you doing? I'm good. What's going on? I just want to say that Roy Cooper is the best thing since sliced bread and peanut butter for the whole state of North Carolina. Really? I'm going to tell you why, and I'll get out your way. All right. Whoa, no, no. I don't, I don't, I'm going to ask you some follow-up questions with that kind of uh, opening line. I am defi- I got questions, but go ahead. All right. All right. All right. All right. Let's get to it. Number one, when the pandemic hit uh, COVID, and it was in a very bad way, he said, look, Donald Trump, you can't bring your uh, campaign here and help keep uh, making people sick and stuff. And he said, you just take it somewhere else. And Donald Trump and his crowd, they did take it. So he saved North Carolina from a super outbreak and super spread of, of COVID. Number two, he's always looked out for the teachers. Number three, he's just a quiet, humble guy. He's not seeking to be president, but is well qualified to be president. All right. That's what I want I to got- say, I wait. Yes, all right. Sir. All right. So, number one, you said he saved us from a super spreader event of because Donald of the Donald Trump. because of that Donald Trump. Uh, are you talking about the uh, you talking about the the Republican convention? He wanted they wanted to have here Trump. Uh, right. Cooper said, yeah. Um, Charlotte won the convention, and then uh, Cooper canceled basically uh, because Trump didn't want uh, the all of the rules in place and that sort of thing. Right. So they it canceled the uh, the RNC. Uh, saved us from the super spreader. Okay, so uh, let's say for just the sake of this argument, I'm gonna I'm gonna give you that win for Cooper. Okay, uh, let me ask you though, what does the other side of the ledger say? If you're gonna give him right, so if you're gonna give him credit for all the lives he saved by not letting the convention come, do you give him any demerits uh, for uh, any of the policies, the lockdown policies? that led to uh, depression, suicide, alcoholism, overdoses, learning loss, school-to-prison pipeline increasing, any of that? Do do, do you hold him accountable for any of those decisions? I would have to say absolutely not, because when we had to be in at 9 o'clock, the whole state accepted it, they appreciated it, and Governor Cooper has been praised for email. No, he may be praised by you. I haven't been praising him. The, the, the data has been no well, hang on, Tom. The data has been clear on the damage that lockdowns did. There is there was a cost. There was not this was never a, a question of uh, one answer or one approach is perfect and one is terrible. They were both bad options. Right. And I, so I, I want to make that clear. I understand he was choosing from several different bad options, but all of those options are bad because they carry with them costs. So you can't just play this game of, oh, I'm going to give him all the credit because he did this thing that I liked, but I don't want to hold him accountable for the downside on the things that he chose to do. I mean, for crying out loud, we still are under an emergency declaration. Still. All right, let me let, let me say this and I'll let you go because I want to finish listening to you because you make some good points. Well, thank you. Today. I appreciate it. Oh, I, I still got one more for you on your second point on the teachers, but go ahead. Uh, 
Well, go ahead and give me your your, your point, and then I'll, I'll just say, oh, well, I'll say it now. And, All right. And please take this with uh, the, the spirit of love that's intended. You've already said sort of that you were kind of pro-Republican against the left, so therefore it kind of puts a little tank bias toward Governor Cooper or any of the Democrats, so... That's all I want to say. No, that's absolutely. Oh, no, Tom, you're absolutely correct. My default position is towards freedom and against large government, intrusive government. Therefore, I have an automatic bias against the Democratic Party and its candidates. Absolutely. Because that's what that party stands for. I fully acknowledge that. I'm I have a bias just like you have a bias. You have a bias towards Roy Cooper, right? Yes, sir. Uh, yeah. I'll let you say your last point now. All right. So on the teachers, you said he's always stood up for the teachers, right? He's the reason they haven't gotten pay raises. He used them as leverage. Do you know that? He used them in order to try to get Medicaid expanded. And he, he along with the teachers' union, they agreed on this strategy, which was use the, uh, the budget, and the, the Republicans put forth a budget. It does not include expansion of Medicaid. And so they are all on the same page, they being the teachers' union and the Democratic Party and Roy Cooper, and he vetoes that budget, and he attempted to use the teacher pay raise issue in order to get Medicaid expanded. And then it didn't work, and so teachers didn't get pay raises. All right, we're going we're gonna to just say uh, we disagree, but thank you. No, so that's much. what happened. There's no, I mean, you can disagree, but that, it, that is what happened. Well, don't ask you a question. Don't you All think right. Medicaid should be expanded? No. You don't? No, it, no, I don't. Oh, my goodness. Why not? All right. Why should it be expanded? No, why should it be expanded, Tom? Because, you know what? When people have medical needs and they're poor and they're impoverished Mm -hmm. and they can't afford it and Medicaid can, we're all in this together. We're all Americans. We need to help each other, the rich, to help the poor, the poor do what they can. And that's just the way I see it. All right. No, I agree. Tom, I, I, I agree that we should look to help each other. That's why, And this is why I always say, if we want government to do less, then we need to do more. That's one of the things about conservatives, that we believe these solutions, the, this help, this aid, is best uh, accomplished through the private sector, through nonprofit work, through volunteer uh, uh, organizations. But the, no, the, you know, you realize if you expand Medicaid, you know who you're putting on the Medicaid rolls then? You're putting on people who are not the original targeted recipients of Medicaid, the people who are on Medicaid now, the you know single moms and young kids, that's what Medicaid was for. What the expansion program does is it adds able-bodied, working-age young men into the roles, who then, by the way, because they have, an, uh, they have an increased reimbursement from the federal government, there's actually an incentive there for providers to bump the single moms and the kids in order to get the new patients under the expansion because they're worth more money. That's why I don't exp- that's why I don't uh, I don't support the expansion that was uh, that that was the carrot and stick approach of Obamacare. It was wrong then, it's still wrong now. All right, thank you so much. All right, Tom. Uh, yeah, man, I appreciate the call. Have a great weekend. All right. Yeah, no. Uh, I understand the argument by the way, and this is another part about the healthcare uh, uh, issue just in general, which is if you have a product or a, a uh, service, you've got supply and you've got demand, right? And the supply, particularly in services, is not limitless, right? The supply of a service, when it, and healthcare is a service, 
the supply of that service is going to be limited because you need people to carry it out, facilities, all of that costs money. And so if you offer something for free, in this case, healthcare as a service, the demand is going to go up. At which point you're now going to have to start rationing one way or the other. And there's only two ways to ration. You either ration by price or you ration by access. And government, when they make it free, they take the price one right off the table. And so now you're rationing by access. So these, these, these pipe dreams that are sold to uh, the population as you know, utopian and achievable do more damage to the policy discussions about what exactly happens when you do this. And by the way, I didn't even get into the whole part about like Medicaid outcomes being worse than being uninsured. Like people who have Medicaid, they fare worse than uninsured people do. Yeah, it's kind of wild. All right, News Talk 1110-993-WBT. Andy Taylor, the political science professor at NC State, uh, thought he made a very good point about Roy Cooper showing up on this list, which is, it's unusual to be talking about new candidates from the same party as the current White House administration, which is still in its first term. The fact that journalists are speculating about who the next presidential candidate will be does speak to Biden's age and health, and his past comments about being a one-term president. Recent reports, however, show that Biden said he will likely seek another term. But, you know, that's Joe Biden, and you can't really trust anything he says. Uh, Alrighty, Jack, let me get you on here. Hello, Jack. How you doing, buddy? Hey, I'm good. What's up? Here's my question. I just heard you talking to the gentleman about Governor Cooper. Yeah. In light light of the fact that you know more about this stuff than, than I do, what makes Governor Cooper so popular then? He's a two-term governor, man. And I and I would say that if he were to run again right now for governor, he'd win again. Um, well, I don't know if he would. I think his approval numbers last I saw were somewhere in the low 40s. And he and that but, but, has but, but who could but who could who could beat him? Who could beat him? Well, that see there therein lies the question is uh who is the opposing candidate that would go up against him? And Pat, Pat McCory couldn't do it. Pat McCrory barely lost. Um, but he lost. He lost. He lost. I know. I know. Yeah, he lost. He lost. He lost. He's he's not the go. He got. He lost to Roy Cooper. I I am aware of that, Jack. Okay. So what? Right. Makes so, him so, but when, but so you, what? but hang on, but Jack, you're you see what you're doing. You're saying what makes Cooper so popular, right? Like as I if mean, there's this. Oh, let me finish, Jack. <laughs> let me okay. finish. You're making it sound like he's so popular, like there's this huge tidal wave of support for him. And then you threw in McCory, and I pointed out McCory just barely lost. So with that, that that's kind of counterfactual to to the image that you're portraying. Now, Dan Forrest lost by an even greater margin. And I would submit that that was in large part due to Dan Forrest becoming the anti-mask candidate. And he never really explained why he was such, and I think that hurt him. And frankly, masking at that time was the popular position, and people were afraid that here's Dan Forrest, and you know he's saying masks don't work, and I'm going to get rid of the mask mandate, and people were not there at that time. So is that what you're basing the, quote, popularity of Roy Cooper on, the, those no, two I'm elections? Asking, no, what I'm asking you are what, what are some of Roy Cooper's strengths 
that allow him to be elected twice. I mean, no. what do you think his strengths are? He is that uh, he's been a longtime member of the Democratic machine. That's the biggest strength. That is actually the, his ability to stay in office as long as he has is actually testament to the durability of the power of the Democrat machine that ruled this state for over a century and a half. That's how think, that's how powerful it is. But don't you think most North Carolinians like Roy Cooper? I don't know if most, I don't know, if, well, I mean, the approval numbers don't indicate that. Do you mean like him as a candidate or like him as a person or like him as their governor? Governor, person, whatever. No, the polling shows that he's on, the polling shows he's, his approval numbers are in the low 40s now, so, so that indicates that most don't. <laughs> no, but that indicates most do not think, right, that most do not think he's doing a good job if his numbers are in the low 40s, right? Uh, I don't. I don't. I. 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 I I'm, I'm a little confused by that because what? he is a two-term governor. Yeah. Well, no, but hang on, Jack. You're saying the two-term governor is proof that he's popular, and when I just went over for you the the reason why he won both of those elections, right? One of which was the anti-mass stand force, and the other was the barely squeaking by with Pat McCrory, and there were reasons for that. But that so you're basing his election in two races. That means he's popular. But I'm citing current approval numbers to undermine your premise, and you have no explanation for that, right? I just want to be clear. But my premise is on election day, he won the he won the right. election. That's what counts. I mean, I, that's I the agree. Bottom line. I that's but that well, but that's not what but that's not what you asked me, Jack. You came. You're moving the goalpost now. You asked me why is he so popular, and so I'm trying to answer the question I think you're asking. But now we have finally come to the real premise, which is. He won, and that's the only contest that matters. So even if his approval numbers drop to, like, zero, doesn't matter now. He won on two days, and that's what's important, right? That's, that's a different exactly standard. what I'm saying. It so is what my, you're saying. My, my initial question was, I asked you, what makes him so popular? Right. And why, or what, his, what are his strengths? No, what you didn't ask that. As a politician, you didn't ask what that. do you think his strengths are? No, you didn't ask that. You didn't ask that. You said, what makes him so popular? And I asked you... What do you mean by popular? And then you started talking about how he won the elections. And then I said, well, Pat McCrory just barely lost. And then you were like, oh, but he lost. He lost. He lost. And so then it became clear that you were judging his popularity based on his performance on two election days. And fine. that If that's the standard you were using, fine. So then when I explained, OK, well, here's why he won those things. And then I said, there's this other approval number. Then you were like, well, I don't know what to make about that. And now you're trying to shift it to something else. So I kind of get the feeling you like Roy Cooper. That's fine. It doesn't matter to me. He's term limited. And let's see if he runs for president. I appreciate the call. Have a great weekend. We'll see if he runs for president. I think it's very interesting, though, if they got somebody like Cooper on a list, right, to try and find out who's a viable candidate for president. Why would you be doing that? Joe Biden said he's running for reelection. Everybody says he's totally, completely fine. His He hasn't uh, lost a step, you know, physically, mentally. He's got all of his... Uh, all of his cognitive faculties intact. He's still the best darn Joe Biden, the best version of Joe Biden ever. So I'm not really sure why you would be discussing Roy Cooper as a potential presidential nominee. What? 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 Weird. Unless, of course, there's some other reason. Like maybe, maybe everybody else sees what's happening too, and maybe that's why Joe Biden is doing so poorly in the polls. In his numbers, his trend lines, they're even worse than Roy Cooper's. But I'm not saying that that's a measure of popularity. Candidates matter. That was the short answer, by the way. I was going to tell Jack. Candidates matter.
Winterbull's up next. Stick around. I'll see you Monday. Don't break anything while I'm gone.